I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, welcome and good morning. It is Don't At Me. Look. LeBron James full of shit. Who would have thunk? Who would have ever thunk it? The man who has King on his back but doesn't want attention. Now talking about his son. I think, I think Jamal Bowman showed up in Assembly Hall last night. It was very odd. Hey, Woodson, head coach at Indiana. If you ain't gonna coach your team, I'll coach your damn team. And by the way, I made one of your sorry ass players have a big night last night. I got Sylvie. I got Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie talking about all things Chicago, including Justin Fields at all. Where you find all this greatness? Oh, don't at me. We start right now. You know, ever since LeBron James walked out of a press conference with a purse, and he did it like Paul Lind back in the day. Look it up if you don't know who the center square on Hollywood Squares was. And he did it real bitchy. I've had minimal respect. I respect the game, yo. I respect 39 years old, what he's doing. But when LeBron James speaks, stupid comes out. Like, he's the guy that I think allegedly falsified John Thompson style, a racist attack on his home. He is the guy that just talks. And when he talks, you're like, no, don't do that. No, it shows that your high school education isn't enough to talk to real people. Talk to NBA guys. Talk about that wine you got. But I will say this about LeBron James. I've told this story before. When CAA, the noted agency, was recruiting me, myself, my wife, and the great Bart Fox, took a tour of of, uh, Universal Studios, and the president, the head, the CEO, gave us the tour. Showed us a building, said LeBron James. It's part of a set. But that's LeBron James's office, and when LeBron James brings us a project, it's usually very well organized. So I've always respected that part, yo. But anyway, LeBron James is full of shit. We know this. Let's fast forward to the latest LeBron James being full of that ish, yo. LeBron James previously stated that his son, Bronny, well, he could play in the NBA. He played basketball at such a high level that he's better than a lot of these NBA people. He could suit up for the Lakers at any given moment, at any given time. He's that good right now. But now, wait a sec. Lil Bronny is doing what college kids that aren't that great do. Go to college, freshman year, play He's on a bad team, struggle a bit, but he's having a decent year. He's averaging five points, couple rebounds, couple assists. Look, as a freshman, that's all right. Used to be you developed into a role. Sophomore year, play more. Junior year, you're starting. Senior year, you're starting. He is falling short of expectations of the ones that LeBron James put on him. That's not a surprise. I mean, people that watch Bronny James, like my friend Doug Gottlieb, have been saying this forever and ever and ever. He's an overrated high school kid that because of his name, 
became a five-star McDonald's All-American. Wasn't close to that. I watched him play. It's like, I hate to say this, but it's like Arch Manning. Arch Manning, I watched him, and unless he really improves at Texas, if his name was Arch Dockets, he'd be a nice player in the MAC. Maybe at Indiana. Maybe a lower-level Big Ten. He wouldn't be sitting there at Texas making millions. He certainly wouldn't be backing up a guy like Quinn Ewers who can't get into the NFL conversation. It's just the burden that you bear. My son was lucky. His dad stunk. But you know what? There's no expectations with that. You go, whoa, playing better than I thought. Under promise, over deliver. Well, LeBron didn't learn that. LeBron overpromised by saying my son could play for the Lakers. Now he's better than a lot of these guys. Well, it came out the other day, the 2024 mock draft, which I don't know what to tell you, but here it is. The son of the Lakers stars no longer listed in the 2024 mock draft, and ESPN has moved the 19-year-old into its mock draft for 2025 instead. Now, notably, even in its 2025 mock draft, ESPN does not have the younger James tabbed as the first-round pick, second-round 39th. So even if he chooses to play another year of college basketball to work on his game, there's no guarantee it will markedly improve his draft stock. Now, see, this is all very stupid. This is all very, very stupid. The deal is this. I don't give a damn. Being a first- or second-round pick after your sophomore year, that's pretty good. So what ESPN is saying that Bronny James is pretty good. I would have killed to have been a second-round pick after four years of me and Bobby Knight. I would have killed to go to a camp. Most guys would. But here's the problem. We listened to LeBron James. What did we hear? I'll show you. Here's LeBron James's tweet from March of 2023 on Bronny James. Man, Bronny definitely better than some of these cats I've been watching on League Pass today. Shit, lightweight, hilarious. Okay. All right, there you go. Okay. Here is LeBron James's off-camera comments about Bronny from January. During the ad's availability, Austin asked LeBron about Bronny's game tomorrow and if he'd start. LeBron said it was time and loudly said he could play for us right now. Easy. Easy. Well, let me backtrack for just a second. Well, you got to play. All this talk is great, but you got to play. Eventually, the game knows. Eventually, you just got to perform. Mock drafts, conversation, I'm gonna, he's gonna, this is will happen. No. No. You get in between the black lines, white lines, whatever the hell they are at your school, and you gotta play. And Bronny James has done fine. Like, people act like this guy's a complete bust. He's only a bust from the standpoint of morons saying, well, he should be better. And the reason morons are saying he should be better is because of the dad. Now, you know what's going to happen. You know the level of stupid that's coming out of LeBron James. I admire LeBron James somewhat as a father. I know things. So when I hear all this great husband, great father, see this face? This face knows things. This face has pictures. So just stop. 
right? Just stop. I'm not even going to get – I'm going to let you all say that because he's actually being a father. And as we know, 75% African-American kids are born into fatherless homes. So we'll give him credit for that. But we ain't giving him too much credit because this guy right here, he knows things. Anyway, so now LeBron James is pissed. So now, because LeBron James's son, Bronny, is no longer on the mock draft boards, is no longer be, being seen as the heir apparent, is no longer Ken Griffey Jr. Here's what LeBron had to say. Can y'all please just let the kid be a kid? and enjoy college basketball. The work and results will ultimately do the talking, no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know he doesn't care what a mock draft says, he just works, earn, not give it. Well, absolutely. This should have been the first and only tweet about Bronny. Look, what have I told you? You guys that run around following Indiana basketball, what have I told you? Mommies and daddies, stay the hell off social media when your kid is in college. It never ends well, period. I had a son, little white dude, Michigan, transferred to Ohio State, played a bunch in his last years or so at Michigan, damn near 30 minutes, 25 minutes at Ohio State. He's the poster child for everybody on campus, black and white, to hate on. I went through it in Indiana. Dane Fife went through it in Indiana. Every white dude knows they should be you, and every black dude thinks they can beat you. I didn't say a word on social media. I learned from other mommies and daddies. The poster child, a kid named Bobby Capabianco. His mommy was all the rage. Big Italian Brad. All the rage on the message boards, Twitter. And then what happened? Bobby wasn't that good. So what happened to Mrs. Capabianco? She got crushed. Hey, it's great you're on here, but tell your kid, you know, whatever. Bobby Capabianco, very nice kid, transferred to Flo uh, Valparaiso, and the mommy left. I learned. Now I watch. Mommies and daddies of college athletes that get on Twitter, it never, ever ends well. We got a guy here in Indiana. His son is named C.J. Gunn. The daddy all over Twitter. The daddy telling everybody, my son learned his toughness from playing against his sister. Huh? I mean, a lot of us learned our toughness from going in the inner city and playing against guys that were already in college. But this guy learned his toughness from playing against his sister. The daddy, Christopher Gunn, has since locked down his Twitter account. LeBron, don't lock down your Twitter account. You're very important according to you. But I got to tell you, stay the hell off Twitter, both positively and negatively, when it comes to your son. Because as you said, the work and the results will take care of, will do the talking no matter what he decides. Now, it is a little different because if LeBron walks into Rob Polinka's office and says, I want to play with Bronny, he's on the team, what's Rob Polinka going to do? He's the general manager of the Lakers. Okay, LeBron. It's a little different. But LeBron, there's a saying, STFU. I'll let you figure it out. I know you're watching. Uh, our friend Jay Billis, and I do consider Jay a friend, lost his ever-loving mind, but he had to be facetious. He had to be. After the court storming, 
where a little dookie tweaked his ankle, which, by the way, there's no imaging on. John Shire and the kid are all like, well, one's an ankle, one's a knee. This is typical dookie. And we're all supposed to get up in arms and upset because a dookie tweaked his ankle. Oh, my God. OMG. Crowd rushed on the floor. And by the way, side note, I took Notre Dame yesterday against Wake. I just did. There's no way Wake was coming back and playing well in that game. They did it. Notre Dame beat them at Notre Dame. That was a good night for me, a really good night for me last night, but I'll get into that at the end of the show. But anyway, a dookie tweaks his ankle. Flip Flipkowski, the big pole. I like Flip Flipkowski, but he was an idiot. I don't know why you got to shove a fan. You just run to your team. Long story short, it became national news, and we're all supposed to be a upset and banned corpse storing because a dookie, well, got hurt. Billis wants people arrested. Billis wants people detained. I don't think he was being serious. I think he was kind of like, I don't even know what he was doing. The mind of Jay Billis is a beautiful thing. But you want everybody to take, don't let him off the court. Well, if you've got the manpower to not let them off the court and give them a citation, guess what? You probably got the manpower to not let him on the court. I mean, what are you going to do? Surround him and all of a sudden 10 kids come rushing at one guy? Eight get away? What are you talking about? Richard Jefferson, well, he had something to say about it. Richard Jefferson said, that's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Did he say detain 10,000 people? Did he say give 10,000 people citations? That is asinine to suggest that because for me, when you look at this, yeah, get your players off the court. But this is a part of college sports. It's always been for what, 40, 50 years? Well, longer than that. Come on, Jefferson, what's wrong with you? 40 years ago is when this greatness was perusing the courts at Indiana University. We had one court storming at home at Indiana. One. We beat Minnesota. Weird game to rush the court, but it was that kind of game. They referred to it as the dockage game. They did. We're down 18. Knight finally smart enough to put me in. I start wheeling. I start dealing. Next thing you know, it's tie game. I get the rock. Drive it. They come. Drop it to Oof. Oof lays it in at the buzzer. Game winner. Bada bing, bada boom. Next thing you know, I'm hugging some big-breasted cheerleader. Yeah, that's right. I remember it like it was yesterday, except the cheerleader part. I was actually hugging Uve. Guy can dream, can he? What? What's the problem? But anyway, so I court storming, that was 84. So however many years ago that is. But anyway, that's 40 years. Anyway, court storm has been around forever. Notre Dame, 88-game winning streak. They beat UCLA, who was on the 88-game winning streak. Court storming. Stop it, stupid. One little dookie gets hurt, and we want to arrest people. Again, I like Billis. I like Billis a lot. In fact, I think Billis is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and he combines that with being one of the funnest people that I've ever met. It's fun to hang out with Jay Billis. We did an all-day shoot in Hawaii getting ready for the Maui Classic. It was a miserable experience, except I liked hanging around Billis. But Jay's doing something here, and I can't quite figure it out because he knows you're not detaining 10,000 people. He knows you're not. Well, here's a citation for you, Missy. 
Do you know how many of those citations would be laying on the court at Winston-Salem at Wake Forest? I'm not saying all, but certainly a lot. There are ways to solve court storming. Hey, get a bunch of police over there. I did an interview with TMZ yesterday. I'm like, look, get a bunch of big old cops, bright unis, you know, those DEA sweaters or, or uh, jacket windbreakers. Get a bunch of them, put them by the team, and let's get off the court. I'll give you another thing on court storming. How about players, Jermaine Burton, Flip Flipkowski, the big pole, how about you don't go at people? What are you talking about, Jermaine Burton? He's the dude that slapped that girl when Tennessee rushed to court. How about we don't do that? How about we see, we respect the court rush, meaning a lot of guys running on the court. I know I'm the big pole, Flip Flipkowski, but I got to get out of here, and I go right to my team. Well, he shouldn't have to do that. Well, then don't be Duke. He wouldn't have to do that. Go to University of Toledo. Well, even a University of Toledo, I don't, that's a bad one because when I was at Bowling Green, we came back from 17, crowd rushed the court. Lost my two best players. That's a different story. I don't know where you go. I would say maybe I, I joined the pantheon of idiots who says, hey, Duke, don't lose the game, and then they won't rush the court. Eh, eh, I suppose, I guess, but the truth of the matter is this, I don't care. I want court storming, the Duke player will be fine, he'll play tomorrow or today, whenever the hell Duke plays, Flip Flipkowski will be fine, John Shire got his moment where he got to be Coach K lecturing us about, we need to ban this. Okay, yay rock, go fight win, I'm all in on all of it. But the fact of the matter is this. Only way you're going to get this done is just get a bunch of big old cops taking the team off the court, and away we go. And good for Richard Jefferson. You know, we've seen a lot, a lot of ESPN on ESPN crime lately. We saw McAfee go at Norby Williamson. We've seen, and he does it in an icky way, we've seen Stephen A. Smith go at McAfee. And now we're seeing Richard Jefferson go at Billis. The women are always going at each other. I mean, they're just nuts. They don't necessarily do it private or publicly, but privately they're snipping at each other. Actually, we saw the women of ESPN go at Sage Steele. ESPN on ESPN crime. Fascinating. But I got to tell you, Richard Jefferson, you ain't wrong. But I like Jay Billis. So last night, the beloved Indiana Hoosiers got a win. Yay! They beat an 18-10 and 10 Wisconsin team, and you would have thought that Indiana won the national championship. I mean, a kid named Khalil Ware had a great game, and he trolled me on Twitter because I had said, yo, <coughs> why don't you get in the gym? Instead of getting a million tattoos, why don't you learn how to shoot free throws? He had a big game, and he trolled me, and I respect that, yo. Good for him. And people all around Indiana get pissed at me. They get pissed at me for, I'm saying, look, Indiana's supposed to be where tough guys go play basketball. Indiana's supposed to be different. Indiana's supposed to be strong and tough, not little TikTok makers. Indiana has a history of guys making TikTok videos. I'm making a TikTok. We just won. Oh, goody. Yay, Ra. We just moved to what? Uh, we just moved to 7-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Let's TikTok. It gives me gas. It makes me raise a cheek. 
It makes me understand that fans don't know their ass from third base when they say, geez, Dockets, Dockets, you don't know nothing. Dockets, well, I do. And coaches know. Lane Kiffin, who is a favorite, and I cannot believe he follows me. I follow him, but we can't get him on the show. It's driving me crazy. I love me some Lane Kiffin. But anyway, Lane Kiffin, well, he not too happy with his star players making a silly TikTok video. Uh, let's go to the video of Lane Kiffin, will you? Please don't ever do that again. Look, I get it. I need my brand. And Indiana, we had some clown named Miller Cop transferred in from Minnesota, or excuse me, Northwestern, where I think he was like 13 and 80 in the Big Ten. He transfers into Indiana and he becomes the TikTok guy. He's the brand guy. NCAA tournament, he knows it's on national TV, so he's going to wear a headband. First time he ever did. They lost by 30. Look. Lane Kiffin ain't wrong. I get it. We're making little TikToks. I get it. That's the way we do it. But how about we just play? How about, Dart, you just become a Heisman Trophy candidate? Oh, man. Uh, Here's another one. Kiffin is saying, did they put on their uniforms and do a photo shoot in the woods like people do for an engagement announcement? Why? Who thought this was good? Get that person away from the team. Yes. See, guys in leadership positions understand. Fat kids sitting on their couch with a Mississippi jersey or an Indiana jersey, eating bonbons, whacking it once a day, have no idea what's real and what's not. If I were Lane Kiffin, I'd be like, huh. Man, I got some real questions about these dudes. I would. I'm sorry. That's what I would do. You may not. I would. Lane Kiffin would. Every coach would. Actually, every fan that had a hair on his backside and understood anything about athletics would. But good for Lane Kiffin. Did they put on their uniforms and do a photo shoot in the woods like people do for engagement announcements? Why? Who thought this was a good idea? Get that person away from the team. True that. True that. Like, get that person. If that person's ideas are such that we're going to go put our uniform on, go into the woods, uh, I don't know. I think maybe, just maybe, oh, I don't want them around except they're really good now Dockage, you don't understand the modern player you're stuck in the past no I'm stuck in winning no I understand what it takes and it takes everybody focusing on the right things while they're just kids having fun good I tell you what's fun yeah you ever see Swamp Kings if you see Swamp Kings the story of Urban Meyer's Florida National Championship teams do yourself a favor Watch the weightlifting part. That's fun. Watch the part where they kick everyone's ass. Watch the part where they beat Ohio State by a bazillion to win a national championship. Watch the part where Tebow and Chris Leak win a national championship. That's fun. We got a video that I send out all the time 
on Indiana University's basketball team dancing like little high school girls. In fact, I've just insulted little high school girls. So what's their record? Seven and ten. Here's what you do. Go 17 and three and then make a video. The Super Bowl shuffle wasn't made until the Bears were the best team in football and it wasn't close. They didn't start the season at media day dancing like little girls. Again, apologies to little girls. No, they started the season by whooping ass. They continued the season by whooping ass. They finally got to the point where this is silly. We're better than everybody. It ain't close. We're going to end up 16-1. and Let's make a video and raise some money for charity. But see, these schools have it different. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a simple question. What's Mississippi won in football? What has Mississippi won? I'll put it in my phone. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Football. It came up Mississippi pot roast. Well, I don't want pot roast. Mississippi football. What have they won? They ain't won squat. I want to talk, you know, like everybody else talks. What have they won? They won nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zip. They got a tough schedule coming up. Great. Honest to God. Win something and then put it out. Not winning the first round of the play-in game of the NCAA tournament and making TikTok videos. Win something good. Win something big. Get something done. Then dance like nobody's watching. Like me at a wedding. Instead, Indiana beats us uh, to go 7-10 and 10 in the Big Ten, and these idiots are talking. Yeesh. Rip my ass when you win something. Not when you beat a 18-10 and 10 team at home and Jamal Bowman had to pull the freaking fire alarm to stop a rally. I got a headache. I got a headache. One of my least favorite player coaches is Sean Miller. I used to like Sean Miller. But you know what? All the stuff in Arizona, I ain't down with. He's the coach at Xavier now. He works for America's Worst AD. A guy named Greg Christopher. I never saw a guy at Bowling Green so universally disliked by players, coaches, people at school, people in the community, business people. So he got out of Bowling Green. I don't know where the hell he went, but somehow he ended up conning the people at Xavier to become the AD at Xavier. He hired the known cheat, Sean Miller, back to Xavier. Sean Miller's done an okay job. Sean Miller got his ass kicked by Shaka Smart, our favorite, and Marquette. This is what Sean Miller had to say. The disposition of our group in Milwaukee playing Marquette is just fundamentally unacceptable. They, they, they were not ready to play. They did not play with great effort. And there's a couple guys that, quite frankly, don't deserve to play anymore. It's just it's, it's, it's where it's at. So we have to be able to see it for what it is. I think that you know, where we're at in 2024, it's like it is, it, is, it is holding people accountable in a world that really doesn't allow you to do it sometimes. And you have to give Xavier maximum effort. You have to show up on time. You have to play for something that's bigger than yourself. Those are just the beginning stages. And, and by the way, no one's saying you have to score 20 and 10, or especially this season with the schedule that we've had, that you have to win 25 games. That's not what I'm saying. But what is expected is that you're going to play your heart out. You're going to play with tremendous effort level from the start of the game to the finish. 
Uh, he ain't wrong. And whether I respect him, because I don't respect cheaters in college basketball, or I don't, he's not wrong. We do live in a world that does not allow you to hold people accountable. In fact, I had a conversation yesterday. I'd never heard this. Maybe it was on this show. It might have been with Brad Underwood. I think it was. Where he said a coach and he were talking a friend. And a player, yeah, it was on this show. A player, parent, and agent came in bitching that a player was playing too much. People, we got to have accountability in our society. We do. There's a little, little mini micro group of, quote, professional burglars running around Geist here where I live. There is going to be accountability because everybody, at least on my street, has a gun. And we're all a little bit crazy. You better be professional. You better come in during the cloak of darkness unless you're going to get shot in the ass around these parts. That's accountability. In basketball, Sean Miller's right. Hey, look, some guys don't deserve to play. If you ain't busting it, you ain't deserving it. And good for him. They did get their brains beat. I mean, they got their brains beat bad. I mean, bad by what's it called. They got beat like a drum against Marquette. I wish more coaches would come out publicly ripping their team. Let me give you an example. I'll give you a couple. Uh, the inept one, Mike Woodson, who's half asleep, or I don't know, maybe he's Percocet it up. I don't know what he is. But he actually said that a kid named Malik Renew played terrible in a game. Renew's been pretty good since. We all know about Rick Patino. Rick Patino came out and said, hey, most miserable experience in my life. Joey Bag of Donuts is too slow. Susie Rottenkrotz, no good. Now, he walked back those statements, but guess what? They whooped Georgetown, went into the garden, played against maybe the hottest team offensively in the country, Creighton, and guess what happened? They discombobulated Creighton. Really? Shocking. I've said this forever, and I'll continue to say it. People want to be led. I don't care who you are. I don't want what your position is. People want to be led. They act like they don't. They act like they're mad about it. People want to be led. I remember the great Bob Knight when I worked for him. There was always someone around he would ask questions to, hung out with older coaches. People want to be led. And frankly, let's just be honest here, it is a disservice to young people, particularly college-age entitled little pains in the ass, basketball players on a college campus. It's a disservice not to lead them. It's a disservice not to hold them accountable. It's a disservice not to rip their ass when asses need ripping. Why? Because they can take it. That's why in business, you only hire athletes, former athletes. Why? They're going to show up on time. They don't get easily offended. 99% of them don't care what their pronouns are, and they're not going to run to HR when you say, hey, dumbass, why did you do that? They're going to go, huh, flashback, coach in college, rip me good. This ain't close. I can handle it. That's what happens. Enterprise, we'll pick you up. They hire athletes. Why? The exact reason I just said. If you're a NARP, non-athletic, regular person, which is what my wife and my stepdaughter call non-athletic, regular people, you're probably offended. You're probably sad. You're probably upset that your Instagram didn't go viral. 
that picture of you holding up a spritzer with your lips going, it didn't get anywhere. I only got five likes. Oh, my God, life is over as we know it. I can't take it anymore. Nah, I got two words for you. Bite me. Hire athletes and coaches, I swear to God. I swear to God, if I were a coach, I would get the best team in America. I would rip the living hell out of guys because I would get guys that could handle the ripping. Not guys like little whatever Ware who has one good game to move to 7-10 and 10 in the Big Ten and he's all chatty. No, no, no. I want chatty after we accomplish. That might be on a wall. Give me chatty after we accomplish. Give me TikTok after we accomplish. Dance after we win something. Until then, STFU. That's strong. I tell you what, that right there, what I just said, should be on a loop on every college campus, right in the middle of campus. Uh, Last night, basketball was fun. I say it every night. You know what? Every night, college basketball delivers. Full disclosure, eight points down, I took Kentucky. Eight points down, I got Kentucky at plus 350. I put 100 bucks down, I won 450 on a $100 bet. Nice night, but here's what happened. They wanted to cash me out. They wanted to cash me out at like 412 when they were having to pay me 450. Kentucky was up four, and it looked like it was 30 seconds. I wasn't watching the game. Little did I know. Little did I know that Kentucky was in the throes of a choke job. Tie game. Oh, man, did not know this. Reed Shepard, who I said yesterday, I can't imagine he's in the top 10 of the NBA mock drafts, but he is. Length of the court, little leaner, whap, Kentucky wins at Mississippi State. Pretty damn good win. Road win, good team this time of year. Kentucky's got it figured out a little bit. And, of course, I had a big night. My toes were tapping. Next thing you know, boom. But to Kentucky's credit, Eight down, I did feel like they were going to win. That's how I'm starting to feel about Kentucky. Don't sleep on Reed Shepard. Don't sleep on Kentucky. Indiana, look, Indiana was up as much as 15 in the first half. I had taken my beloved Hoosiers. Bet 200 bucks at plus 150. Nice, tidy little sum coming my way, right? Well, all of a sudden, Indiana, huh, second half, not going great. All of a sudden, Indiana, we got a tie game. What happened? Jamal Bowman happened. Remember Jamal Bowman, the dumbest human being other than the guy Johnson from uh, Greg Johnson or Gary Johnson, dumbest human being in Congress, pulled the fire alarm to stop a vote? Well, that's what happened in Assembly Hall last night. Woodson, I think, went out and got Jamal Bowman. And Bowman came in, pulled the alarm. I've seen this once at Ohio State. Place got evacuated. They evacuated, teams went into their rooms, whatever they did. Next thing you know, the run stopped, and Indiana escaped. And then the dancing started, and then the trolling on Twitter started. We've got to 7-10, and 10, baby. That's right. Don't mess with us. We're 7-10. and 10. We're the Hoosiers. Hoosier pride, yo, because we're 7-10. and 10. Wisconsin, man, they usually beat my beloved Hoosiers. They do. They didn't. I'm happy. Cashed a lot of money last night. Let's continue. BYU, Mark Pope. Mark Pope is a good dude. I've had Mark Pope on shows. Went to Kentucky 
after transferring from Washington to play for Patina, was a captain on national championship team. 6'9", could do a lot of stuff. Wasn't a great player. Had a cup of coffee in the NBA, played for the beloved Pacers. Long story short, he gets into coaching. Successful. Ends up at BYU. BYU moves in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Big 12. What is that? Well, BYU and Mark Pope have been really, really good. I've told you all year long, I don't like Kansas. I got a good friend, Todd Blinko. He and his lovely wife, Chris, went to Kansas. They wear their Kansas gear. They made fun of me when Kansas beat Indiana at Indiana. I'm like, good, but I don't like Kansas. Kansas beat us in 1993. It feels like Kansas always beat us under Roy Williams. We could have a great team, he'd beat us. They could have a mediocre team like in 91, they'd beat us. Got him Terry Brown's throwing in everything. Anyway, I love Roy Williams. I don't like Kansas. So it pains me when Kansas is really good, although I do like Bill Self. But last night, at home, Allen Fieldhouse, Kansas and Mark Pope got belly whomped. When you're doing your bracket, remember this. Check the health of Lance McCullers. He's the one guy on KU that can shoot it. I'm telling you. And see where BYU is. Here's the deal with BYU now. They had a big win. Really big win. You telling me you come into the Big 12 and you get a win at Kansas? That's a massive win. How are they going to handle it? What did I bet? What did I tell you? Or who did I tell you I bet against yesterday? Wake Forest. Why? They just beat Duke. Take it out. Check it out. Don't immediately fall in love. Don't do it. Don't fall in love with BYU. Not yet. See how they respond. Because in the NCAA tournament, you get a big win. You got to go play two days later. Just be careful. Uh, I tell you what, Houston is playing well. Now, they did not play very well. They had a bad crowd for the number one team in the country. Uh, They ended up beating. They did. They beat Cincinnati. This isn't Huggins' Cincinnati. This is a Cincinnati team that's trying to find himself. But you know what? I don't care. Sometimes in a league, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night or a noon Saturday game, it's an enema. Ugh. Ugh. You're grinding it out. Water's shot up there. Things are unclogged. It's just not easy. Satisfying at the end when you get the win, but getting through it is just not easy. It is not great. Well, that's what the Houston game was last night. That's kind of a survive and advance. We'll see where both teams end up. But I got to tell you, man, I'm not off of Houston. They play tough, they're athletic, and this kid's shed can go. We may, just for the hell of it, bet against BYU their next game. Here's the deal. If BYU's a real team, they'll win their next game. Wake's not a real team. Couldn't handle success. Uh, Speaking of success, my man Sylvie, co-host Waddle and Sylvie, we got to find out. All I'm hearing about with the Combine in Indy is Justin Fields. Justin Fields this. Justin Fields that. And Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, ladies and gentlemen, signed with the Cubs. And by the way, my man Sylvie had a sit-down with Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears. we got to talk about that. Sylvie next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He is the man. He is my friend. He kicked cancer right in the ass and told it, get the hell out of here. He is Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie. How about that? Hey, Sylvie, you had a sit-down, big boy. You had a sit-down with, uh, and by the way, his name is Mark Silverman before. I mean, he's not just Sylvie. He has a name. My apologies there. But, Sylvie, you had a sit-down with Ryan Poles. He's the man of the hour. What did you learn? I, I think I think we learned, Dan, that they're going to trade uh, Justin Fields. I, I think, you know, Ryan doesn't talk like a lot of other general managers. I thought last year he was hugely um, upfront with the media saying, we're going to trade the number one pick and it's up for sale. And then it happened like a week later. He wasn't that transparent about Justin Fields. But I think there were a lot of things that he told us yesterday, um, including... Um, I thought the biggest thing that he told us was that if he loves the number one overall pick, the guy who he likes at number one, if the guy at number one checks all the boxes, it doesn't matter what the offers are. He's going to shut it all down. So if that's Caleb Williams, which many people think it is, or if that's Drake May, it doesn't matter who's coming with all these first round pick offers. He's going to take the quarterback. Man, what what kind of offer can they get for Field? What what is what in your mind would you say? You know what? That's pretty good get for Justin Fields. I think it's a, a second round pick. Um, there's been that's a lot it. of bluster. Yeah, I, that's what I think. You know, there's been talk about a second and a fourth um, because that was the Sam Darnold package that the Jets got from Carolina, and if and maybe they get that, who knows? Because Poles has pulled off some pretty good trades uh, in the past. Um, but I, who, who's out there, Dan, who wants him? Does Atlanta want him or do they want to trade up for a quarterback? I think Pittsburgh's a good landing spot. Denver's been mentioned, but I think Sean Payton has kind of moved, moved away with it by talking about, he wants a quarterback to play from the pocket. That's not Justin Fields. So with, and then with all the other quarterbacks out there, it's like, we've been comparing it to the game of musical chairs, you know? Where's the chair that Justin Fields is going to be able to sit in? And that's what Ryan Poles has to identify. So if there's not a lot of teams that he can actually go to, why would that team pay a premium price? Sylvia, I've always said, you know, there's two sides to all these things. Like fans in Chicago or fans in Indy think this should be done. He got to go here. Well, the other team, they know that the Bears don't want them. They, the Bears are not, correct me if I'm wrong, but to your point, Bears are not exactly in a position of strength here in terms of moving fields. Oh, here's what I would say to that. The Bears would keep Justin Fields if they didn't have the number one overall pick. If the Bears only had their ninth pick, they lucked into getting the number one overall pick. When they made the Carolina trade, 
last year. They never thought that Bryce Young would have as tough of a year as he did and that Carolina would flop like they did. They really got fortunate that Carolina, again, ended up with the number one overall pick. So let's say that it was that they would have drafted C.J. Stroud. And let's say Carolina would have had the year that Houston had and that the Bears would have ended up with the 16th or 17th overall pick because they had a year like Houston. The Bears would have kept Justin Fields. So Fields, in my opinion, still would be a starting quarterback for the Bears if the Bears didn't have the number one overall pick. That's what they could sell. And I do believe that he can still do a lot of good things. I just don't think he's a great quarterback right now, especially with his arm. If Caleb Williams is the guy, does some of the stuff, does anything bother you about Caleb Williams? It depends because what's true and what's not, you know, like, I, like, can you, do you know what's true? Like there, there was an article that just dropped today. I, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to read a Pete Thamel just did a one-on-one with him. I've read some of the excerpts. He's finally spoken now and boy, um, Chicagoans are slurping this now, or at least the people who wanted Caleb Williams, the people who are in Justin Fields camp will, will dispel it and just say like, it's meatball stuff. But like, he's talking about Michael Jordan. He's talking about Walter Payton. He's talking about how he would play for the bears and how he would want to trick, um, um, chase greatness. But like, I don't know, Dan, like you coached, like, does the crying in the stands bother you? Um, like, 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 I've tried to ask, why should that bother me? Um, he cares. Like, I, I don't know. Like, again, I, I'm smart enough to admit when that I don't know everything. Do you know what I mean? I, so tell you Silly. tell me, what should I be worried about? I- I don't know. I I know this. I want to sit down. I want to look him in the eye and I want to make, I want to figure this out for myself. I I don't want, I'm with you. I don't want to hear from others. I don't want to, I want to investigate. I I, I do, but I got to look him in the eye because you know, you know this and it goes both ways. Anything positive, Michael Jordan, Walter Payton can be scripted. You know, the agent tells him about that. And anything negative can be overblown. So I want myself and you. Let's just say you're working. I trust you. I'm going to sit in this room with this kid, and I'm going to ask the questions that I want answered. Period. That's it. That's what I want. I, right? Let me, yeah, let me give you a good story. You're always a guy who one, one reason why our, our relationship is so good is I love your stories. I've got a good story for you from Bears history. Um, 1998, the Bears had, I believe it was the fourth overall pick. It was either four or five. I'm on the Bears beat. And the Bears, it was Mark Hatley's first year of drafting with the Bears. The Bears loved Randy Moss. They loved him. So they bring him in to sit down with Walter Payton. This is the year before Walter Payton passes away. Randy Moss's childhood hero is Walter Payton. He already has all these red flags coming out of Marshall, but they love him. They know he's a game changer. So he's in Lake Forest. He's at the hotel. 
he is supposed to meet Walter Payton at a local breakfast place at a certain time. He oversleeps. Walter Payton's sitting at the breakfast place, and he gets blown off. That's enough for the Bears to say, we already had questions for him. He, he can't even make it to a breakfast in time at this job interview. We don't feel comfortable with this. They interview Curtis Enos out of Penn State that same year. Curtis Enos comes in and he says, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, looks him in the eye. Dan, it was all scripted. Curtis Enos was a douche when he came to Chicago and they drafted him and he turned out to be a big bust. Randy Moss, we know the rest is history. Sure, he had issues, but so the point of the story is we could we could fail interviews, but do we really truly know and how much stock do we put into all of that? I'm going to tell you why I like you. You're from Chicago. I'm from the area. I've always said this. There are, and I don't know you, you know, we're not best friends. I have three friends from Northwest Indiana that if I were a general manager, one owns car dealerships, another's a school teacher, and the third is an athletic director at a high school. Swear to God, Sylvie, I would bring them with me. I don't give a shit about my scouts. I would bring them with me. And our bullshit detectors are so good that we would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, get out of here. You're, you know, just stop it. You know, now let's talk. You know what I mean? Like, you got guys sure. like that. Like, Southern Indiana, Southern Indiana guys are all full of shit. Like, Northwest Indiana, Chicago would be like, hey, man, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? And that's what it would be, yeah. Sylvie. You understand this. You know, you know, authentic. You know, you, you sit down and you yeah. have a conversation, you know. But, but it's yeah. tough. Like, it, it's tough. It, it was. It was their first draft. They they didn't know they didn't want to risk a guy who already had red flags, and then the guy can't wake up for Walter Payton. But then look what happened. And a lot of other teams passed on Moss, but it was a game changer. And if they draft Randy Moss, who the hell knows? Maybe one of their quarterbacks that they end up drafting hit because Randy Moss is so is so fucking good. Yeah, Sylvie. Here's what I would do though if I was Caleb Williams. I would sit, I'd have my little jacket and tie, and I would say, all right, can I ask you guys a question? And, yeah, you can ask a question. Why is Sid Luckman still the leading passer? Why, are we, why have quarterbacks come to this particular franchise and, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, Sylvie, failed miserably? Why is that, fellas? And what are you going to do to change that? That would be – I wouldn't have a problem – if I was Caleb Williams asking that question, and I wouldn't have a problem if I was Ryan Poles being asked that question, Sylvie. I love it. I love it because if you have a good answer, and I've always said this, if you're a confident person and if you're a confident person who owns a business in any walk of life, if you're doing a job interview, I don't mind getting interviewed in return because if you want the best people, and if you're getting asked a tough question in return and you're confident and you're smart, you have an answer to that. So if you're Ryan Poles, you have a response to say, look, all my predecessors effed up in this way, and this is how we're fixing it. This is why 
I've done studies on why the Bears haven't churned out a quarterback. And this is why we're going to have you succeed and you're going to be the first. You're going to be the first one. Just like Theo Epstein was the first one in 108 years to get the Cubs to win the World Series. Caleb Williams, you're going to be the first Bears quarterback to be a star quarterback. And this is how we're going to support you. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I, I do. And I think that's a conversation that adults can have. I, I don't think that's any negative one way or the other. I, I think that's an adult conversation. Uh, I want to flip for just one second with you, Sylvie. I saw a special on Steve McMichael. I was a huge Steve McMichael fan, had a chance to meet him at uh, that Bears 1985 30 for 30. A friend of mine's daughter produced it, so we went to the Open, and I had a chance, a great conversation with him. I was there when he when he got thrown out by Angel Hernandez. I was in the stands yeah. when he got the boot. Wow. Uh, going into the Hall of Fame means a lot to a lot of people in Chicago, Steve McMichael, no? It means so much. It means so much. So I, uh, I used to, like, I'm hosting Bears pregame and halftime now. We're the home of the Bears. But back in the day, when we weren't home of the Bears, we did like one of those knockoff pregame shows. And when I was the Bears reporter in the early 2000s, and when Steve returned to town, um, he and Dave Dewerson were my two co-hosts. And what I remembered of Mongo was that he used to torment Mark Jean Greco on television when he was a player. He used to cut his tie with scissors. He used to bring a big switchblade on set. And I was scared shitless of Mongo when <laughs> when when he first came to town. And then as you like the the Angel Hernandez thing. And one of the fir the first days he showed up, he brought coffee for everybody. And right away, he sort of just showed me that he's a teddy bear. And Steve McMichael is one of the greatest guys I've ever met. He's always got a joke. He's always got a story. And he is one of the toughest guys I've ever met. But he always had time for somebody. And the thing that I would tell everybody is that this is not a sympathy induction. He always deserved to go into the Hall of Fame with his 95 sacks. thing that was third most for a defensive tackle. He made Mike Singletary like, Dan, if he played today, you know, back in the mid-80s, Singletary was the focus because of the big eyes and everything. But, like, if you had a lot of the analytics measuring the stuff, they would show you why Mongo and Hampton were making it easier on guys like Singletary. And uh, Mongo's the absolute best, and it just sucks that he couldn't walk up on that stage in Canton and be gregarious and give you the world's best um, speech uh, to accept that award. And we couldn't throw the best party ever afterwards. Yeah, that would be a speech for the ages. But you know what? I I'm glad he got in. I saw the special. I know you got to run, Sylvie. I'm sorry I kept you too long. I love talking no. to you, my friend. You're the best, Danny. Take care. See you. My Tell Tommy I said hello, please. Dan, you're uh, the best. Great love you Yes, sir. That's the great Mark Silverman. Catch him. Waddle and Sylvie afternoons on WMVP in Chicago. I, I listen every day. I do. I listen to him every day. And if I'm going into Chicago, I usually listen to him and then I text him.
and I text them something that they've said that's brilliant or something that's stupid, but that's okay too. But anyway, you know our status here on this show, right? We rarely run, but it's 10 o'clock. I got the 10 o'clock constitutional. We rarely run, but when we do, where is it, people? It is to the bathroom. We'll be right back. What a show. I got Bobby Barack next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, he is America's conscience. He's the greatest writer in the United States. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he ain't afraid to tell you the truth. He ain't afraid. He's unapologetic. And, oh, by the way, he's really smart. He is my friend Bobby Barack. Bobby, I'm going to get right into it. Um, if The View asked me to come on, I think the level of stupid would be too much for me. But Dr. Phil... He kind of bat slapped them a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And uh, he's doing this tour where he's going on different shows to promote his new book and upcoming cable news network. So I was pretty surprised he approached The View because I didn't think that uh, they could match him wit for wit. And they didn't. I mean, that segment on Monday was uh, quite interesting. But you're so right. Uh, look, The View has to be up there with Joy Reid and Chris Hayes and whatever shows Ryan Clark appears on. It's one of the dumbest shows on television. When you look at Ryan Clark, I just, I, I, I want to like him, but I can't. Yeah. I can't like a guy who went public trying to get more money. I do. I want to like the guy. Uh, <laughs> but he gets a couple mil. Maya Kimes gets a couple mil. Good for ESPN, I suppose. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I find the whole thing hypocritical because, remember, when ESPN laid off those 30-some talent last June and signed Pat McAfee, there was this uproar. You had people leaking to the media how bad it looked that they were re-signing somebody for a substantial raise and Pat McAfee while cutting other people. Yet, didn't they go and do the same thing with Mina Kimes and Ryan Clark and people at ESPN celebrated? Now, I know some people are going to say, well, McAfee's making a lot more than Mina Kimes and Ryan Clark. 
Yes, but that's because ESPN had to pay him $17 million a year to get him to move from FanDuel. According to my sources, and I'm sure yours could confirm this too, Mina Kimes and Ryan Clark did not have competitive offers elsewhere. ESPN was bidding against themselves, and they still doubled their pay. You know, it is interesting. You know, people think that, well, I'm in a con- – guys think – I don't know about women, but I know guys, you know, at ESPN think that, well, my contract's up. There's going to be this bidding war for me. Bobby, I was with Mike Tirico, and I was with Brad Nessler, two of the best announcers in the country. The day they learned, both of them, different times, the day they learned, they weren't coming back to ESPN, and both of them said the same thing. Hey, ESPN didn't really want us, so they went somewhere else. Um, I don't know. The world of media isn't what people think it is sometimes. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I agree. And it's such a nasty business because, let's be real, the vast, vast majority of people in media are so painfully replaceable, right? They could be replaced tomorrow and their company wouldn't lose a dollar. The people willing to do it and do it for little money is substantial and profound. So when you have people like Ryan Clark and Mina Kimes thinking that they are one of one, that they are different from the pack, they don't understand the business. And a lot of that is because nobody has ever told them the truth. When I wrote that piece, I think it was on Friday, Dan, I was taken aback by how many people reached out and said, you're so right about Ryan Clark and Mina and everybody in this building knows it, but nobody's willing to say it and nobody's willing to write it. And that bothers me because there are so many people who cover the media now, at least they say they do, they spend days upon days writing about this stuff, but they're never actually willing to dive in to topics like that. Why are Ryan Clark and Mina Kimes off limits to criticism? That should never be the case. Bobby, would you agree with this? I I got two things. I'm going to answer your question. One, I think that everybody and their mother is afraid of hearing that they're racist, you know, but I also go the other way, Bobby. Bobby, I don't think the word racist means anything anymore. Yeah, I don't either. Um, A couple of years ago, I had this conversation with somebody because they're like, oh, can you believe all these people on Twitter are calling you racist? And I said, you remember in second grade when somebody didn't like you, they would just say, hey, you're stupid. They wouldn't actually have any reason to call you stupid, but it was just an easy way to try to get back at you or make other people dislike you more. That's what the word racist has come to mean. The knife is no longer that sharp because the word has been overused so many times. That's right. So I, I my bigger point is... What are you scared of in the media? What What are you scared of calling out Ryan Clark? What are you scared of calling out Mina Kimes or ESPN? You know, I mean, because what the response is going to be, well, it frankly doesn't matter. All right, Mike Florio is upset, apparently, uh, that Woody Johnson has a relationship with a former president. I am old enough to remember where celebrities loved, loved, and businessmen loved hanging out with former presidents or current presidents. But Donald Trump is apparently off limits to Mike Florio. Yes, he wrote this article. The thesis was 
well, I don't have a problem with Woody Johnson endorsing Trump, but the conservatives would really be upset if a owner endorsed a Democratic president. And he's like, where's the stick to sports crowd now? Well, those aren't really equivalents. First of all, you know who the biggest proponents of stick to sports were? It wasn't MAGA group. It wasn't conservatives. It was actually general sports fans. How do we know? Because between 2015 and 2017, when NFL players knelt before the national anthem, ratings dropped 20%. In 2020, when the NBA wrote Black Lives Matter on the court and I think boycotted a game because of so-called injustices, the NBA Finals dropped 50%. Um, We've seen this all throughout entertainment, late night television collapsing, award shows collapsing. When you mix politics with a product that's inherently an escape, a good chunk of the country waves goodbye. That's not a conservative problem. The reason that conservatives use the phrase stick to sports more is because professional sports tend to lean left. So I think Florio completely missed the mark on all this. Oh, by the way, Woody Johnson supporting Donald Trump in his private time is not the same thing that a player using the NFL platform on Sundays to protest police officers in the United States. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. All right, a great story, I think. A cop in Chicago is suing because he wants – Bobby, this is a great – tell everybody about this story. This is one of the great stories in the country right now. Yeah, um, I think I want to highlight this story more because I really got a kick out of this. So the city of Chicago, which, by the way, I actually really like Chicago. I know it's um, like ridden with crime, but they made a new rule where police officers are allowed to change their genders whenever they want and however they want. Meaning Officer Paul could walk into the station tomorrow as a man and walk out as a woman in uniform. No problem. So this Caucasian officer thought, well, if you're allowed to change your gender, am I allowed to change my race? So he put in a request to be identified as an African-American because he's been an officer for 22 years. And according to his record, the the department is only elevating African-Americans. So he thought, well, if I can identify as one, maybe I'll get that next promotion. The department said, no, 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 you can't change your gender. Now he's suing. I give this guy a lot of credit because not only is he fighting back against the racism of not promoting Caucasian officers who deserve it, but he's also underscoring the lunacy to the idea that you can be any gender you want and change it back and forth. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what's going to end up happening here, but I'm going to follow this. Because this is awesome. This is like, hey, look, man, we we all know what's happened. Like Stephen A. Smith, yeah. did you see the other day Stephen A. Smith came at McAfee, you know, and, yeah. and said, well, I got to be better. African-Americans do not have to be better. They didn't have to be better no. to become coaches. They didn't have to be better in the media. It's well documented. It's all crap. Yeah. So what I call this, and I wrote a column about this, I think, last July, I call it excuse racism, which is the hypothesis that 
you must racially discriminate against white people to reach racial impartiality. It's a lie. It's a myth. It's by definition racist. But that's what these organizations and departments believe. So the Chicago Police Department has no problem elevating less qualified minorities over white officers under that guise. And it's still illegal. There's excuse racism does not hold up in court. At least I don't think it does or it shouldn't. So people should not have to put up with this. If you're not earning a job or a promotion or a scholarship because of your skin color, you need to fight back and bring that to light. That is not the path forward by any means. Bobby, is Richard Sherman going to get a promotion at Amazon after his latest arrest? How many of these have he had? Didn't a couple of years ago, didn't he break <laughs> into his father-in-law's home? And when they arrested him, he's like, no, 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 I'm mentally ill. Leave, leave me alone. And everybody just forgot the story. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm sure he's fine. Um, and look, I try to be somebody who is sympathetic to people who make mistakes because I've made a lot of mistakes. But I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who drink and drive because of how easy it is to order an Uber. Like, it might cost you $12 to leave the bar to go home. So for Richard Sherman to put other people in danger while drinking a few margaritas, it's hard for me to be too empathetic towards him. Yeah, he that was on video. He tried to break into his mother-in-law's. There was another yeah. thing. And you know what? Marshawn Lynch... Marshawn Lynch was passed out on the Vegas Strip driving a car that didn't have tires. And you can't swing a dead cat without Marshawn Lynch being on commercials. So I assume, well, I assume Sherman is going to get some type of Amazon promotion, I think. I don't know. What do I know? Yeah, and look, it, it just could be, like, I made a joke about this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. We hear so much about white privilege. Dan, I can name about 10 privileges that are far more prevalent and then white privilege, like race card privilege, DEI privilege, hot woman privilege, um, uh, Asian privilege. There's so many of this stuff, but you keep hearing about white privilege. But look, if Amazon were to demote Richard Sherman or kick him off the set, you know that would be at play. Just look at his Twitter feed. And one of the issues that's really profound here is that sports media executives are primarily white. So they are vulnerable to accusations of racism. And that's why, excuse me, Stephen A. Smith's rant about Pat McAfee is such a lie. Pat McAfee does not get to be more reckless than black on-air pundits. Look at Mark Jones. He hasn't faced any internal scrutiny for what he's done, and I've reached out to Several of those white executives, they don't have a comment, but what they're telling us is pretty much the opposite of what's true. When I say they, I mean the media at large and politicians in Hollywood, they're lying to us. J.A. Adande goes into the Hall of Fame or some kind of award from the Basketball Hall of Fame. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I didn't even think about that one. That has to be up there with the most egregious statements ever made on ESPN. This guy, Jay Adande, went on national TV and said that 
red state voting laws are more, what word he used, more gruesome than the genocide that the Chinese Communist Party commits against Muslim Uyghurs. And he didn't even have to retract that statement. Um, look, I don't call for people to be fired often, but if you're so stupid, I think you ought to be fired. That statement was so dumb, ESPN should have fired him on the spot. No chance. No chance. He's a professor at Northwestern. My my uh, niece had him in class and loved him. Thought he was great. So that you know, and my niece is really smart. But you're right. I don't think you and I would have survived that one, big boy. No, uh, absolutely not. I don't even think we could finish the statement, right? I think our mics would be cut halfway through and uh, somebody <laughs> meets at the end of the hallway saying, hey, turn in your earpiece, turn in your mic, you're out of here. But yeah, not only did he not have to apologize, not only did ESPN not issue a statement, he actually next week appeared on PTI, the flagship show on ESPN, and a year later he gets inducted in the basketball Hall of Fame. It didn't hurt him one iota, and that really highlights, I think, the fractured nature of this entire industry. Bobby, a friend of mine named Lawrence Frank, who's the president of the uh, Clippers, he was fired as a coach. He went to ESPN to do the car wash. You know, yeah. he dropped two F-bombs just out of habit. Literally after the segment, they walked him off the premises. Literally. <laughs> just gone, right? Just, just You go. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I mean, look what they did to Sage Steele. They put out a statement saying, well, sure, we respect everybody's right to speak, but there's also boundaries, and she crossed that line. Really? Sage Steele crossed the line, but J.A. Adande, Mark Jones, Bomani Jones, L. Duncan, they haven't crossed the line? I'd like to know what this line is because I have some questions. I think there's three or four lines if you really want to know the truth. I don't think there's only one line, Bobby. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you're right. I, I would agree. Three or four sounds accurate. He is America's conscience, Bobby. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Hey, appreciate it, Dan. Talk soon. I love when Bobby writes it, I read it. And there's very few of those around anymore. Used to be when, and you guys know me, I made news nut going back to when I was a paper boy. Uh, I would read three papers a day, well, on the weekends. We didn't get the Chicago Sun-Times or the Chicago Tribune during the week, but we did on Saturday, and we did certainly after church on Sunday. And I'm a news freak. I just am. And I've always felt like because of where I grew up, I well, always, and I mean this sincerely, I'm like Joe Biden right now. I'm trying to convince you. I'm not. Well, Joe Biden's always trying to convince himself. But I listened to Martin Luther King's speech about judging people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And I don't think that's actually happening these days in our world. I don't. I honestly don't. I don't think it's happening. But that's okay. Hey, look, we're all in this world. We're all in it together. And someday, somehow, some way, we'll get her all figured out. But you know what we have figured out? I'll tell you what we have figured out. We have what the hell Wednesday? We are back and we are bringing you the craziest shit that you will see on the internet. All right, let's do it. Numero uno, ladies and gentlemen. This stuff makes me always go, what the hell? Let's see it. What are we doing here? Oh, 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 oh,
the caption was bro slid for three to five business days. Now I got to tell you, I feel bad for this guy. If that were me with a fake hip and a fake knee, the one thing doctors tell you is don't fall. Don't dislodge the hip. Don't, we don't want to go back in there with the hammer and the saw and do all the stuff that we're doing. Don't fall. He fell. It ain't good to fall. Don't fall, people. Hey, Ice is a mother. I feel bad for that guy. Unless, I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was doing something nefarious. And if he was doing something nefarious, then I'm glad he fell. I got to get a ring. We have in my house, we got more security than we got sense. But I got cameras, not rings. I got to get a ring. Because I want to post these videos. I think it's kind of funny, some of these stuff. All right. Next. Here's a dude. Uh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, man. I ain't mad at you, but you just ruined a nice drone. Drones aren't inexpensive. What to do what? To make a basketball shot on a four-foot basket? You're going to, boom, ruin the drone? <sighs> that just don't make no sense. You know, it, it's like Della Reese in the greatest movie of all time, Harlem Nights. But you can only watch Harlem Nights with swearing. So you can't watch it on like AMC or one of those stations. That don't make no sense. She said, boom, loudly. It don't make no sense. It just don't make no sense. You got a drone and you're trying to make a basket. That's it. That's all you're trying to do for what? Now you're going to lose a couple K. You're going to, you know, why? Why, 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 what? To go video, viral? What? Man, it's amazing to me. It's awesome. Away we go. And we're off. Kid makes four shots in 25 seconds. This is my favorite thing. Watch this. This kid can ball, too. Ready? great is this? Top of the key. Whack. Look at this guy down here. That's unbelievable. That is truly unbelievable. The baseball throw into the basket is unheard of. It is. Look at this kid. Now, I don't know if this kid's going to end up being the next Steph Curry. I don't know what he's going to end up being. But I'll tell you this, man, that's pretty damn impressive. And this baseball throw, those of you that have tried this, the ball curves, the ball goes other places. This is freaking awesome. Whap! There he goes. How cool is that? I'll tell you exactly how cool that is. That is the coolest thing you're going to see all day. Now, usually on this segment, we're showing you guys being idiots. We're showing you guys on drones, hit by cars, things of that nature, some weird stuff. Guy hitting his girlfriend coming up here in the face with a cue ball. But this, ladies and gentlemen, brings a tear to my heart. It brings a little bit of goosebumps to old fat double D. It just does. All right. Speaking of pull, next, what would happen to you? In this position. Boom! What would your life be? Like, 
I think it's an honest mistake. I don't think that guy with the pull stick is good enough to do that. And he's clearly running over there feeling bad, as he should. But you know what, lady? Maybe don't stand your ass right behind the rack distracting him. Maybe stand on the side. And if you're going to date a guy, assuming this is a date, how about you date somebody with some skills? Those two things you're going to learn. You learned it a hard way. I guarantee you she never stands behind the racked balls again. Guarantee it. I also guarantee that she finds a dude that, well, frankly, doesn't hit her in the face, that has some skills, that isn't a narp. What kind of guy are you dating? That's what I would say to my daughter. Like, why are you dating this clown? If he can't hit a rack of balls with a pull cue, I don't want him in the family. I don't want him in my house. I don't want him in your car. I don't want him on your phone. Eliminate him. Get rid of him. But that's just me. That's just, I have high standards for my daughter and my stepdaughter. I have high standards for the women of the world. This guy who did this needs to die alone. Or maybe it's a she, I don't know. Either way, needs to die alone at an old age with cats. That's it, with cats, not dogs. This person would screw dogs up. But if you're not good enough to hit a damn uh, rack of balls and you hit your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whoever the hell this people is, then you know what? Screw you. Go away. You deserve to die alone. Alone, I say. Look at that. Oh, man. Meanwhile, we shift our attention to that great city of Oakland, California. Let's have a look at what's going on in Oaktown. All right. Yay. Oh, really? Shocking. Oh, okay. Get Pull up your pants and get going. Start running. Yay. Why would you do this? Now, I'm going to answer that question. That's a dumb question. That's very, I don't like being hypocritical. I don't like being hypocritical because there was a day that in Bloomington, Indiana on 17th Street, here's the setup. Here is the little 500 stadium, which is the world's greatest party weekend. It's on this hill. The church is in front of it. 17th Street is right here. Down the hill on 17th to the right is Assembly Hall. Up the hill, through three lights, up another hill on the right is our apartment complex, senior year Jackson Heights. Seven-foot-one Uva Blop decided he was going to ride on our hood of our car, holding on while I drove. How stupid is this that we did? Sure enough, we drove it back to the apartment complex, and away we went. So I understand stupid. I participated in stupid. I don't like to admit that I am stupid, but I am stupid. And I have done stupid things like that, very stupid things like that. Because if you're riding on the front of the car, as Uva was, you're going to fall in front of the car. And then I'm going to run you over. And then I got to go to the can. And then all kind of bad things happen because I would not be a good guy in jail at all other than to be someone's batch. And who needs that in their life? Not this guy. One of my goals in life is to stay out of jail. 
61 and a half years, I've managed to do it. But I just put it out there, so I'm worried. But I understand stupid. As the people say, well, Doc, it's you don't understand. No, 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 no. There's nothing I tell my children that you're going to do that I haven't done some variation of. And you know what? I look back and I'm like, boy, that was stupid. Historically stupid. So I ain't mad at you, Oaktown. I ain't mad at you at all. I'm just glad the good Lord didn't let Uve fall in front of the car or we'd have had a serious, serious, serious problem. All right. When we come back, I got a lot to get to. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, we got a great new show on OutKick as we continue to grow this network into the best in America. And think about this. While all other media companies were down in January, Clay Travis reported, and the uh, one business journal, I can't remember its name, reported, we were up 22%. This is what is happening in the world of OutKick. We're just going to continue to grow. And maintaining with Tyrus, our friend Tyrus, has a great show where he basically sits down in a room where it looks like murders could occur, and he interviews people. Mike Rowe, the face of Dirty Jobs, joins Tyrus on his program to say, when you just can't escape your past, embrace it. Boy, is that freaking clever. You're right. I think we got a little promo here. We got, so- we got a little sot here. Here's what they don't tell you back in 1990. One day, somebody's going to come up with some technology that allows random people to take video of you and put it into the ether. And then other people are going to be able to watch that video. So years after I was fired from QVC for the third time and really never spoke of it out loud, I got this thing called YouTube. And I searched my name. And somebody has posted yards and yards of video of me sitting there, either under the influence of two glasses of wine or so tired I can't keep my eyes open, trying to describe the profound appeal of the Health Team Infrared Pain Reliever or the Amcor Negative Ion Generator. My point is... The Ion Generator. Yeah, it looks like a shoebox with an antenna. Yep that charges the ions in the, the air, air. yeah, and dramatically improves your life. It did. Three it easy did. payments, $29.99. Yeah. Yep. Or you, you pay it all at once. Or you can. You yeah. pay all at once. I mean, but I why did. would you with terms like these? How do you say no? I was no? impulsive. You know. You were young. I was young. But here's the point. When you see yourself on a screen doing a thing you can't remember doing but can't deny having done the cognitive dissonance that goes off in your brain makes an audible sound. And right. you go, oh. wow. So that happened, and there's no escaping it. And when you can't escape your past, Tyrus, in this day and age, the only sensible thing to do is embrace it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, buddy. That's about it. I embrace everything. I embrace my past like it's my job. Dockage is a typical old white dude who shakes his fists and yells at kids to get off his lawn. No, I don't. I don't have a lawn. I may got a lawn, but it ain't big enough, and I live in a secluded area. So anyway, hey, look, Maintaining with Tyrus coming to you, and you should watch because we love Tyrus. Um, there's a lot of dumb things. There he is. There's a lot of dumb things in this world, most of which I probably support because I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But a lot of dumb things have come out after this court storming where a little dookie tweaked his ankle. And one of the shocking things is some really smart people have said some really dumb things. We talked about Jay Billis talking about citations and arresting. Well, now the athletic director, Greg Byrne at Alabama, uh, he apparently wants teams to forfeit if their fans storm the court. Really? Kids aren't going to be in the stands saying, oh, I don't want to do this because the school is going to get fined $200,000. True. They are, do not care about that. That doesn't enter the mindset. True. They don't care about that. But if they knew the game they had just been part of, celebrated a great win, led to that, meaning a forfeit, if they knew that they were going to lose that game immediately, that would stop them. I've always said some very smart people, and I assume Greg Byrne is a very smart person, say really stupid things. So these guys, let's just take the game the other day. These guys at Wake Forest have busted their ass, worked all summer long. Basketball really is a year-round sport. Basketball, well, let's be honest, is something that you practice even in the offseason. It's something that you work at. You get a few weeks off in the summer, and that's it. So you win this game that is going to put you in the NCAA tournament, and because some little pimply-faced 5'9 frat boy and some overweight jiggly girl and all of their friends rush on the court, we've lost that game? Greg Byrne, you're a smart guy. You're really stupid for saying that. This is just dumb. One has nothing to do with the other ever, and I get it. You're in Alabama. You're not storming the court against uh, at home. So what you're trying to do is say, hey, look, and he's not even trying, he's saying this, but he doesn't mean this, but he's saying, look, we would have got the win against Tennessee when our player Jermaine Burton slapped that girl. That would have been our win. They stormed the field. See, you got to understand, teams like Kentucky, they don't want court storming. Back in the day, Indiana, we don't want court storming. But the truth of the matter is, this is just stupid. Historically stupid. Said by a, I assume, smart man. I'm not sure you get to be the athletic director at Alabama running what is basically a multi-million, if not $100 million enterprise by being dumb. But I've said forever, smart people say dumb things. And this is a very dumb thing. But I'm not mad at you. A dookie got a tweaked ankle. We must overreact. I mean, it's a dookie for crying out loud. A dookie. A dookie got a tweaked ankle. We must forfeit. We must involve police. We must lock him up. Because a dookie got hurt. Bah. Bah. Don't at me with that crap. That's crap.
Uh, Wendy's is cooking up a truly bizarre pricing plan. Now listen to this. They plan on rolling this out to you and me. The CEO is saying the fast food chain plans on doing what Uber does. What is that? Creating a surge pricing model at some point in 2025. Listen to this. Wendy's is preparing to test an Uber-style surge pricing model where the cost of menu items will fluctuate throughout the day based on demand, meaning a Dave's Burger will cost more during lunch or dinner. The fast food chain's unappetizing plan is set to be tested in a high-stakes rollout next year. It will squeeze more money out of an already inflation-battered Americans who may not have the option to eat their meals during off-peak hours. Wow. In a little, there's a little bit of me, a skosh, that understands we're all trying to make it. And that includes Wendy's. See, sometimes we just think that we, us, the normal guy, is trying to make it, but we forget. Major companies like Wendy's are trying to make it too. I mean, let's be honest. We elected the dumbest pair of human beings to ever reside in that office as president. We literally elected one, a guy suffering from dementia who has been ruled unfit to even stand trial for his own crimes, yet he gets to be president, and the other old heels up that have used various orifices to get where she is, at least allegedly. But I say this, I say this, Wendy's, be careful. Be very, very careful. The list going back to 1980, did you ever think Kmart would go away? Ego. Be careful here, Wendy's. Be very, very careful because the people like me and others go, wait a second. This don't seem right. Now, I understand Wendy's side of it. Hey, man, Uber does it. Uber does it. All right. I get it. Other companies are doing it. You're taking a look. I'm almost willing to bet. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost willing to bet this won't happen. I'm almost willing. I'm not 100% because it's been very public, and it's hard for a company to go back once they go real public because they're smart people. They hire firms. They hire people to handle their PR. But I'm almost willing to bet we don't see this. Not in 2025. Doesn't mean it won't be in 2027, 8, 9, 10, whatever. Almost willing to bet. Uh, Deion Dawkins, the rivalry, and I don't understand why the Bills are lowering themselves. The Bills and the Jets apparently have a rival. It's getting hot. Listen to Deion Dawkins, who plays for the Bills, talking about the Jets. You get into it with the Jets. Yeah. What happened? Weirdos being weird. <laughs> Weirdos being weird. You know, I don't even want to get a man no credit talking about him, you know. But number 72. Michael Clements. Michael Clements. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch boy. Um, <laughs> bitch boy. You know, I'm going to just keep it a buck. I hate them. All of them, bro. They are all some, like, when it comes to sports, right, there's people that play the sport because they love the sport. And then there's people that play the sport just to try to be cool. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Like, those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures on Instagram. <laughs> like, that's whack. Like, I play this because I'll die by it. Like, 
But yeah, like Clemens, look, I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. Cause you know I want to. Let's go. See how I fix myself in the seat. <laughs> to tell you about your boy, man. You know, Quint look, Quentin Williams, solid. I respect the dude. Quentin Williams is valid. I like him. Uh, when Ty Bowles and was there, I respect him. Temple got two, couple guys. Even their like D-line coach Ryan Davis, he was one of my teammates. Cool, I'm gonna get them off the grid. Now the rest of them, don't care, don't like you. <laughs> but Clemens, maybe it's third quarter, maybe it's fourth, whatever it is. Hour back. Yeah, I mean this guy's an idiot. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, he's calling other people weird, and he's sitting there on a couch without a shirt with his big fat ass flopping all over and saying nothing. Yeah, boy, I mean, what, what, what are you saying? I mean, honest to God, did Deion Dawkins actually get into a college? There's no way he got into a college, but I assume he's not in the NFL if he didn't go to college. But I'm looking this up. I mean, this dude can't speak. This dude is a moron. And apparently his thing, he went to Temple. Apparently his thing is everywhere he goes, he takes his shirt off because I'm looking right here at his inst or at his Wikipedia, and there he is. Boobs flying all over the place, fat. What did he just say that? What? Giving me a headache. Uh, Sean Payton anticipates a Russell Wilson decision within the next two weeks. Really? I kind of assumed we had a Russell Wilson decision already when he got benched. It seemed to be, to me, a decision. I could be wrong. I might not be right, but I'm usually right. Uh, Sean Payton said, well, look, well, we better in this league, which is obviously very competitive in our division, I think it's vital. I saw this humorous meme the other day where there's a Bronco fan with a shirt on, and there were like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid. Our job is to make sure the next one doesn't have a line through it. That is Sean Payton on Russell Wilson's future. The next one. So here's what I'm I'm proposing. I am the guy that thinks and I'm wrong, Justin Fields can ball. Justin Fields, if you listen to our show earlier, our friend Mark Silverman from Waddle and Sylvie in Chicago was on saying, look, it's basically a foregone conclusion that Justin Fields is going to be dealt. Okay, well, if I'm the Broncos, I want me some Justin Fields. Let me explain. In Chicago with the weather, you got to have a running quarterback. You got to have a guy that can make plays out of pocket because the weather's awful for half the season. Same thing in Denver. I want a guy like Fields. And I got to tell you, you guys are telling me Justin Fields is awful, can't throw, and maybe you're right. But when I watch Justin Fields, I say to myself, that's a dangerous cat. That's a very, very dangerous cat. I don't know why we would have this. I don't know why he is being besmirched so much in his second year. It's really interesting. But if I'm Denver and I'm looking for a quarterback that I don't want to line through it, a very young Justin Fields is not a bad move. Uh I saw Patrick Willis. He's a tough-looking dude, man. He's built like crazy. I saw him at ESPN one day, and he had all these little minions around him. Uh, he came. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe a commercial. I don't know. 
But I heard him speak, and I thought he was an idiot. Now, he's not an idiot, but he was talking to his minions. I just happened to be in the cafeteria, and he was there. And I'm like, well, he's the toughest dude in football. I ain't saying nothing, but I'm curious where this heads. So Patrick Willis, who is a 49er god, right? I mean, he's one of the, I don't know, Mount Rushmore of the 49ers, is dumb enough to say that he would take Kaepernick over Brock Purdy. Now, I'm going to assume, because he's using Brock Purdy, that he's talking about right now. Uh, Colin Kaepernick hasn't played in the NFL since he played against the 1985 Bears. I jest. But it's been a long time. And he had gotten benched for what was that guy? Oh, man, he got benched. Was it Blaine Gabbert? Well, i got to tell you, Brock Purdy's better than Blaine Gabbert. But I get it. You cannot ever, as an African-American, besmirch the good name of the apostle, of the martyr, that is Colin Kaepernick. Nobody understands that better than me. I totally get it. Kaepernick has martyr status. Kaepernick has godlike status among the African-American crowd, and that's cool. I got no problem with it. In fact, I would argue that Kaepernick sacrificed more than any of these guys. He lost his career. Maybe his career was done, but hey, who knows? But he lost it when he knelt. He lost it when he went. The, like Tim Tebow lost it with the kneeling on this side. Kaepernick lost it on that side. It's all good. But I got to tell you, this quote from Patrick Willis. Well, look, we better. Huh? No, wait. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm sorry. We don't have a quote. I'm all for Kaepernick. I hope he has a great life. I watched his special for literally about five minutes, and I thought to myself, there are some dudes that I'm riveted to. There are some dudes that I think are dumbasses. I thought Kaepernick was a dumbass. He's not. Don't get me wrong. He's very smart. He's, he's moved his thing in a certain way to where he's getting paid. Okay. And he's got this status. Like if Kaepernick walks through an airport, people of African-American are going to genuflect. White dudes are going to go, hey, that's Kaepernick. That's what it is. Cool. Great. Nike's paid you a lot of money. You got Netflix. You got all kinds of stuff. But I got to tell you, I understand that Patrick Willis says Kaepernick is 1A and Purdy is 1B, but that's only based on race. That ain't based on anything other than that. But hey, Patrick Willis, when I saw him, he was built like this house, so I don't need no hassle with Patrick Willis. I ain't trying to start nothing. I just think he's crazy. Enough with Kaepernick. Enough with comparing Kaepernick to quarterbacks. Enough with saying Kaepernick should be in. Did he get blackballed from the league? A thousand percent he did. Everybody knows that. Was it right? No, of course it wasn't right. Did it happen? Sure. Happened to Tebow too in a weird, different way. But you know what? We all move on. Uh, I asked my wife yesterday. She grew up in Toledo on the east side. Tough neighbor, really tough neighborhood. And her mom and dad ended up moving right across the border. For those of you that don't know, Toledo is in the northwest corner of Ohio. It's basically the Gary, Indiana of Ohio. And right above Toledo is Michigan and farmland. That's where Lee's family moved, a house that I ended up buying and I own currently. Long story short, I asked my wife, hey, you ever been in this Mexican restaurant called like El Biajo or something like that? She's like, no. Well, let's see what happened in the Mexican restaurant of Toledo. A little brawl breaks out among the biggins. Here we go. 
Can I talk over this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just throwing down. We're throwing drinks. It gets going here, I think, a little bit here. The sisters are in there. There goes some drinks. The pink sweatsuit. We got a chair. We're throwing chairs. We're flipping chairs. You know, there's a lot. And here we go. Lady with a purse. We're just, you know, what are we doing, sisters? And these are some biggins. I mean, here we go. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, look at that. Look at the one on the right. We're keeping it classy. This is excellence. In a Look at there, overhand right. This is like the Housewives of New Jersey. Look at the white dude down here, or maybe this is the Mexican at the bottom. He don't want – oh, boy, here we go. And we're off. Clothes are flying. Beatdowns are happening. They're keeping it classy, ladies and gentlemen. Biggins are rolling around the floor. Guacamole for everybody. Oh, wait a second. And now we're still pushing. Look at the size on these sumos, baby. They're ready to throw the hands. Oh, we got a thong over there. Oh, wait a second. Is that say boner garage or no? Oh, and it all started with some drinks flying. Atta, girls. Keep it classy, baby. Toledo, Ohio, stand up. That literally, I always say this. My wife makes me watch. She doesn't make me watch. I like watching the real housewives, whether it is New Jersey, New York, the OC. I tried Dallas. I didn't like it. I'll watch Atlanta. I like the big sisters. And when they start fighting, particularly in New Jersey, in a restaurant, I always say that doesn't happen. I've been in 7,000 restaurants. Now, I've seen bar fights. I've seen guys go to the alley. I've seen them walk outside. I've seen basketball fights. But I've never been one time in a restaurant where anyone's doing that. What a world. Let's just throw hands, baby. Let's put up our dukes, get our fat slapping, throw some drinks, throw some chips. A quesadilla flies across in a Mexican restaurant. In the great city of Toledo, the glass city, as they call it. At a baby. All right. I think I missed it yesterday. I need it today. Woke a dope, me baby. Woke a dope. Let's go. Oh, my generation will decide the future. Your generation can't decide if they're a boy or a girl. I got to tell you, it's pretty scary. Like this right here, Telly Savalas, that great Greek lover. Telly Savalas, he of the uh, popsicle or whatever the hell you call it, in his mouth. I got to tell you, this is very scary. Is that that crazy-ass Greta girl that somehow, someway, people are paying attention to? Isn't she like on some spectrum or something? I don't know. She was like Time Magazine's Woman of the Year because she got scared of global warming? But I got to ask you a question. This is very scary. This is. We got a generation of people that can't decide what is a man or what is a woman. Huh. But they're going to decide the future. The truth of the matter is uh, Greta Thornburg and the rest of these idiots, they don't decide nothing. Real Americans, real people decide what's going on around here. And men like Tally Savalas, you crazy Greek, you, you bald-headed beauty, you're the one that inspired me to go home with this shaved head, which, by the way, has a scar going right up there. Anyway, I digress. This, although not so subtle, is scary. Next! Spock, 
Stop playing with the vegetable. Oh, geez. Well, look, our maniac in chief, the ice cream eating, little girl sniffing, walking around, not knowing where he is. He is a vegetable. I think what they do, now you can tell me I'm wrong, but I think what they do is they get the good drugs when he's got to get in public once in a while. Because once in a while, Jolton Joe is coherent. Here's what I don't understand. Jolton Joe is doing way too many press briefings. Yesterday or the day before, he was on with one of those clowns at late night, and he tried to talk about how uh, old Trump is. Except in the middle of talking about how old Trump is, he gave it one of these. He couldn't remember. What are we doing? Seth Myers. He was on with Seth Myers, and it was a complete disaster. My favorite thing about Joe Biden is when he goes into his dementia-ridden stupid, how people in the audience laugh. Like we are just it's like Peyton Manning saying the. Everybody laughs. Joe Biden, I don't know if he walks around with a laugh track. I don't know what he does, but I gotta tell you. It's pretty damn funny that everything he says, people laugh at. It's amazing. Next. If I know someone with dementia that has nuclear weapons, should I report him under the red flag law? Yes. Joe Biden clearly has dementia because a court of law ruled that he was not competent to stand trial for stealing documents, but he is competent enough to be the president of these United States. He is competent enough to handle the nuclear codes. That's just weird to me. Isn't it, isn't it weird to you? Doesn't common sense step in? And legacy media has said nothing about this. ABC, NBC, CBS, they got nothing. Now, I don't get it. If you are incompetent to stand trial, are you competent enough to be the president of the United States and do all the duties, including have nuclear codes, that the President of the United States does. I try to live my life from a position, a position, not a great position, but from a position of common sense. And I don't see the common sense in it. I don't see where Joe Biden not being able to stand trial because of competency, huh, Huh. How about this one? I'll give you one. Uh, This just out. The mayor of Athens says the murder of Lake and Riley isn't connected to illegal immigration. Really? Huh. What's it connected to? Just a bad guy? How'd the bad guy get in here? How'd the bad guy get here? Would Lake and Riley be, oh, I don't know, alive if, if we had a secure border? I don't know the answer to that. Because people were still getting in. But long story short, I just love it. I love the fact that we cannot even a little bit have common sense. And can't say, yeah, you know what? The policies that are crushing our country include illegal immigration and an open border. You don't have to blame everything on it. But anybody that doesn't think that because of our open border, that things like Lake and Riley are going to happen in every community all across the country, you're insane. They're absolutely going to happen. They're starting to happen now. How did those guys get to Virginia, illegal immigrants, and raped a 14-year-old girl? How'd they do that? What'd they do? It's insanity to me. 
absolute insanity. I'll be on 1430. I'm going to rip up on Indiana basketball. I just feel like it. I mean, you can't commit me. You can't. There's too much greatness here. Oh, by the way, tonight, hey, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, it's on. No, no, no. It is on. Uh, the hottest team in the country plays tonight. That team, Illinois State. They take on Missouri State. And I got to tell you something else before we go. I haven't looked yet, but I am on fire gambling. College basketball is my jam. And I got to tell you, last night, it was unbelievable how much money we made. I think we made 1300 bucks just on three bets. I'll be back at it tonight. I will tell you this. I think IUPUI plays tonight. IUPUI, they play Milwaukee. It's only a 12-point spread. I got to tell you, I'm running with IUPUI no matter what. I may lose this one, but I'm running. I'm looking for it here. I'm running with IUPUI strong and hard. We'll see you tomorrow right here. Same bat time, same bat station.